We are in a mini-series about how to read a scientific paper that led to the Nobel Prize. Using our practical steps, we will be able to read a paper in a field that we are unfamiliar with. Hi everyone, welcome to the Foundational Skills in Life Sciences podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Synaptologica. We discuss the skills that life science scholars learn, use, and improve throughout professional activities. Your benefit is expressed in my motto, learn the skills, enjoy academic life. In the last episode, we have started working on Milestone Article 1 of the laureates of the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine 2023. There are a few steps before starting to read the text. We talked about three pre-reading steps so far. They were, step 7, Review our fundamental questions, or questiones fundamentales, for reading the abstract, introduction, and discussion sections, or the AID sections of a paper. With step 7, our brains will be guided to the key questions for reading a paper. Step 8. Confirm the paper identity by checking the basic information about the paper. We confirmed the four basic pieces of information. The journal name, the publication year, the title, and the authors. Step 9. Map the major sections by scanning the paper. We located the major sections and checked their lengths. We have also measured the overall length of the paper. With steps 8 and 9, we have scanned the written text of the paper. If you have not yet listened to the earlier episodes of the mini-series on reading a paper, please start listening from episode number 7. That was the start of the mini-series. Today's episode. Today's episode is number 14, and it is part 7 of the mini-series on reading. Today, we will talk about another pre-reading step. Step 10. Navigate the figures and tables. Let's get started. Step 10. Navigate the figures and tables. In this step, we will skim through the figures and tables. They are the presented data in a paper. I have two parts to this step. Step 10-1. Count the numbers of figures and tables. First, let's count the numbers of figures and tables. In my experience, it is common to see papers with, say, 2 to 10 figures, with or without a table. But there is a wide range in the number of figures and tables. A paper can have no figures and one or two tables. A paper may have just one figure and no tables. A paper may have more than 10 figures. If we want to talk about papers with a large number of figures, I have read a paper with 41 figures and one table. That paper was written in 1961 by my scientific hero, Sir Bernard Katz. He's a Nobel laureate for his work on synapses. In this paper, Sir Katz analyzed the structure of a part of the sensory nervous system called the muscle spindle, and he used the transmission electron microscopy as a research tool. It was several years after electron microscopy was first applied to the nervous system. The method allows us to see the ultrastructure at a much higher spatial resolution than what the light microscopy can provide. According to Dr. John Heuser at Washington University School of Medicine, this paper was, quote, notable 
for containing probably the largest number of micrographs ever published in a single ultrastructural paper. Exclamation mark, close quote. Dr. Heuser is one of the world experts on electron microscopy, so this statement must be true. This paper was not the milestone article of Sir Katz, but it is a very good paper. And I like every paper written by Sir Katz because he is my hero. Let's go back to our milestone article. Our milestone article 1 has six figures, that is, figures 1 through 6. This paper has no independent tables, but there are two tables included within the figures as figure panels 4B and 5B. So this paper is of a standard format in terms of the number of figures and tables. Step 10-2, scan the individual figures. After counting the number of figures, let's skim through the individual figures and the figure panels in them. We will not dive deep. Let's see what they reveal at a glance. In almost all papers published these days, you will find graphs. You might want to ask what types of graphs you will see in a paper. There are many types of graphs, and typical ones include the following three. Bar graphs that compare different experimental groups, line graphs that often show changes over time, and scatter plots that show the relationship between two or more experimental parameters. When you see those graphs, you might also want to check in the bar graphs whether the bar lengths are different, in the line graphs whether there's a time-dependent change, and in the scatter plots whether there is a correlation between the parameters or whether there are different groups of data points. I would be happy to give you a little clue about the graphs in this paper. You will see that this paper has many bar graphs with long bars and short bars. I said there are long bars instead of tall or high bars because most of the bar graphs in this paper are horizontally oriented rather than vertically oriented. And the adjective long is a more general term than the adjective high, which might be limited to a vertical orientation. Long bars in bar graphs usually mean that the measured values of some parameters were high or there were larger increases from previous values. And short bars usually mean the opposite. So the measured values of the parameters were low or there were smaller increases from previous values. In our milestone article 1, five figures out of six have bar graphs. In most of those bar graphs, the long bars report high measured values and the short bars report low measured values. They report the amounts of inflammatory chemicals called cytokines released from the immune cells, typically the dendritic cells, when RNA was experimentally introduced into those cells. Various bars correspond to various conditions of the experiments. Simply said, from the viewpoint of the work that led to the Nobel Prize, the shorter the bars, the better the results. This is because the shorter bars indicate that the experimental conditions inhibited the release of cytokines, and such conditions are expected to lead to less side effects when the RNA is introduced to the body. I just mentioned that in most of the bar graphs in this paper, the long bars report high measured values. There is one exception, though. 
in only figure 5c, the bar graphs show the percentage of inhibition. So the longer the bar, the more inhibition, and so the better results. Let me briefly talk about one more graph type in this paper. One figure, that is figure 4a, was made up of multiple scatter plots. They showed how much the dendritic cells expressed immune response proteins on the plasma membrane when RNA was experimentally introduced into the cells. It is interesting to see the distribution of individual cells according to how much they express the specific proteins. But this result was mentioned in only one sentence in the results section. And it does not seem to carry new messages beyond the one indicated by the bar graphs. So I think it is okay not to dive deep here in this figure. I have two comments for step 10. Comment 1 for step 10. When we look at the figures in any paper, we can absorb some information easily. In addition to the graphs that we talked about just now, we might find one or more of the following three groups of items. One group of items is images. For example, images of cells, images of tissues, or images of experimental gels. If present, they will help us visualize what type of experiments were done in the paper. Usually, the images represent the raw data of experiments, and such images are analyzed for generating numerical values for plotting graphs and making tables. Images of gels are available in our Milestone Article 1, and images of cultured cells are available in Milestone Article 2. Another group of items that we could find in figures is explanatory diagrams. For example, sequences of oligoribonucleotides are available in Milestone Article 1. Diagrams of chemical structures are available in Milestone Article 2. These diagrams showed how the structures are different among uridine, pseudouridine, and other modifications of RNA bases. Still another group of items that we could find in a paper is diagrams or photographs of experimental setup. If present, they will help us visualize how the experiments were done. Unfortunately, we do not find them in our milestone articles 1 through 3. Comment 2 for step 10. Let me comment on a summary diagram. When I look at the figures in any paper, I will pay special attention to whether there is a summary diagram in addition to the figure items in the previous comment. If there is a summary diagram that is excellent, I will examine it in detail. This is because a summary diagram will greatly help us read and understand the paper content. Here are four reasons why we would want to dive right in. 1. Summary diagrams translate the dense textual findings into an easy visual format. The key results will be crystallized into a simple illustration, so our comprehension becomes clearer and faster. 2. These diagrams show the main players involved in the research, such as the names of RNAs, proteins, and enzymes, and their relationship. Often, the arrows will highlight the cause and effect relationship among the players. 3. The words appearing in the summary diagrams are often the keywords. They emphasize the paper's core concepts. 
And finally, summary diagrams show how the authors interpret the research results. Summary diagrams offer a unique glimpse into the author's thought process and perspective. If present, a summary diagram will be placed near the end of the figures. In some journals these days, it could be placed at the start of the paper as a graphical abstract. For your information, our milestone article 1 does not have a summary diagram. But very fortunately, the Nobel Committee prepared beautiful and illustrative diagrams for us. We can find them in the video presented by the Nobel Committee member, Dr. Sandberg. We discussed it in episode 9. This is the end of comments to step 10. Why step 10 is necessary? In step 10, we have looked at the figures in the milestone article. We counted the number of figures and scanned the figures roughly for how they look like. Step 10 is necessary because it will help us get an overview of figures. When we read the AID sections of the paper later, and when some results are mentioned in those sections, we will be able to guess which figure the text refers to. If we can find the summary diagram, it will help us understand the paper content better. Overall, if we do step 10, it will help us feel that we are in good control of our reading. Limitation of Step 10 Before finishing this episode, let me talk about the limitation of Step 10 and how we deal with it. In Step 10, we have only scanned the figures. We have not evaluated the figures carefully in detail. In addition, we have not read the results, figure legends, or method sections either. So we have not understood the details of the experimental designs or results. The limitation of step 10 at this stage is that we have simply scanned the figures and it will be difficult to understand all the details of the results before knowing how the authors designed the experiments in the paper and why they designed them in the presented way. We can find such descriptions in the results, figure legends, and method sections, but we have not read them. If you have not read a life science paper before, or if you have only limited experience of reading papers, you are at an early stage of reading. Then it will be a little challenging to read and understand those results, figures, figure legends, and method sections. So I have designed the next step, step 11, for you, so that you will still understand the paper content without reading those sections. We will discuss it in the next episode. If you are more advanced in the reading process, or if you are interested in reading those results, figures, figure legends, and method sections, please let me know. Please send me an email at ideas at synaptologica.com. I would be happy to add bonus episodes for reading those sections. This way, we will take care of the limitation of step 10, whether you are at an early stage of reading experience or at a more advanced stage. Summary. Let's wrap up. In today's episode, we have discussed one step. Step 10. Navigate the figures and tables. We counted the numbers of figures and tables, and we scanned their content individually. We have made sure of the types of graphs. Typical graphs in any paper will include the bar graphs, line graphs, and scatter plots. 
In our Milestone Article 1, most of the data were presented in bar graph format, and in most of the bar graphs, the short bars show the good results. One exception is Figure 5, where the long bars show the good results. In this paper, the good results mean the less release of cytokines from the immune cells when RNA is introduced into those cells. This type of scanning figures could be a little superficial, but still, this step will help us get an overview of the results of the paper. This is it for today. Your action. If you are curious about how to read the results, figures, figure legends, and methods sections, please let me know. Please send me an email at ideas at synaptological.com. As I mentioned, I would be happy to add bonus episodes for reading those sections. Thank you for joining me in today's episode of Foundational Skills in Life Sciences. I am Dr. Synaptologica. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again. I'll see you soon. Bye for now.